Section 28 of Myths and Legends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Myths and Legends of Ancient Greece and Rome by E. M. Barons. The Epigoni. Ten years after these events, the sons of the slain heroes, who were called Epigoni, or descendants, resolved to avenge the death of their fathers, and with this object entered upon a new expedition against the city of Thebes. By the advice of the Delphic oracle, the command was entrusted to Alcmion, the son of Amphiaros, but remembering the injunction of his father, he hesitated to accept this post before executing vengeance on his mother Eriphyle. Thersander, however, the son of Polynices, adopting similar tactics to those of his father, bribed Eriphyle with the beautiful veil of Harmonia, bequeathed to him by Polynices to induce her son Alcmion and his brother Amphilochus to join in the second war against Thebes. Now the mother of Alcmion was gifted with that rare fascination which renders its possessor irresistible to all who may chance to come within its influence nor was her own son able to withstand her blandishments. Yielding, therefore, to her wily representations, he accepted the command of the troops, and at the head of a large and powerful army advanced upon Thebes. Before the gates of the city, Alcmion encountered the Thebans under the command of Laodamas, the son of Eteocles. A fierce battle ensued, in which the Theban leader, after performing prodigies of valor, perished by the hand of Alcmion. After losing their chief and the flower of their army, the Thebans retreated behind the city walls, and the enemy now pressed them hard on every side. In their distress they appealed to the blind old seer, Tiresias, who was over one hundred years old. With trembling lips and in broken accents, he informed them that they could only save their lives by abandoning their native city with their wives and families. Upon this they dispatched ambassadors into the enemy's camp, and whilst these were protracting negotiations during the night, the Thebans, with their wives and children, evacuated the city. Next morning the Argives entered Thebes, and plundered it, placing Thersander, the son of Polynices, who was a descendant of Cadmus, on the throne which his father had so vainly contested. Alcmion and the Necklace When Alcmion returned from his expedition against the Thebans, he determined to fulfill the last injunction of his father Amphiaros, who had desired him to be revenged on his mother Eriphyle for her perfidy in accepting a bribe to betray him. This resolution was further strengthened by the discovery that his unprincipled mother had urged him also to join the expedition in return for the much-coveted veil of Harmonia. He therefore put her to death and taking with him the ill-fated necklace and veil, abandoned forever the home of his fathers. But the gods, who could not suffer so unnatural a crime to go unpunished, afflicted him with madness, and sent one of the Furies to pursue him unceasingly. In this unhappy condition he wandered about from place to place, until at last, having reached Sophus in Arcadia, Thegus, king of the country, not only purified him of his crime, but also bestowed upon him the hand of his daughter, Arsinoe, to whom Alcmion presented the necklace and veil, which had already been the cause of so much unhappiness. 
though now released from his mental affliction the curse which hung over him was not entirely removed and on his account the country of his adoption was visited with a severe drought on consulting the oracle of delphi he was informed that any land which offered him shelter would be cursed by the gods and that the malediction would continue to follow him till he came to a country which was not in existence at the time he had murdered his mother bereft of hope and resolved no longer to cast the shadow of his dark fate over those he loved alcmeon took a tender leave of his wife and little son and became once more an outcast and wanderer arrived after a long and painful pilgrimage at the river achelous he discovered to his unspeakable joy a beautiful and fertile island which had but lately emerged from beneath the water here he took up his abode and in this haven of rest he was at length freed from his sufferings and finally purified of his crime by the river-god Achilles. But in his new-found home where prosperity smiled upon him, Alcmeon soon forgot the loving wife and child he had left behind, and wooed Calero, the beautiful daughter of the river-god, who became united to him in marriage. For many years Alcmeon and Calero lived happily together, and two sons were born to them. But unfortunately for the peace of her husband, the daughter of Achilles had heard of the celebrated necklace and veil of Harmonia, and became seized with a violent desire to become the possessor of these precious treasures. Now the necklace and veil were in the safe keeping of Arsinoe, but as Alcmeon had carefully concealed the fact of his former marriage from his young wife, he informed her, when no longer able to combat her importunities, that he had concealed them in a cave in his native country, and promised to hasten thither and procure them for her. He accordingly took leave of Calero and his children, and proceeded to Sophus, where he presented himself before his deserted wife and her father, King Phegus. To them he excused his absence by the fact of his having suffered from a fresh attack of madness, and added that an oracle had foretold him that his malady would only be cured when he had deposited the necklace and veil of Harmonia in the temple of Apollo at Delphi. Arsinoe, deceived by his artful representations, unhesitatingly restored to him his bridal gifts, whereupon Alcmeon set out on his homeward journey, well satisfied with the successful issue of his expedition. But the fatal necklace and veil were doomed to bring ruin and disaster to all who possessed them. During his sojourn at the court of King Phegeus, one of the servants who had accompanied Alcmeon betrayed the secret of his union with the daughter of the river god, and when the king informed his sons of his treacherous conduct, they determined to avenge the wrongs of their sister Arsinoe. They accordingly concealed themselves at a point of the road which Alcmeon was compelled to pass, and as he neared the spot they suddenly emerged from their place of ambush, fell upon him, and dispatched him. When Arsinoe, who still loved her faithless husband, heard of the murder, she bitterly reproached her brothers for the crime which they had perpetrated, at which they were so incensed that they placed her in a chest and conveyed her to Agapenor, son of Ancius at Tegea. Here they accused her of the murder for which they themselves were guilty, and she suffered a painful death. Calero, on learning the sad fate of Alcmeon, implored Zeus that her infant sons might grow at once to manhood and avenge the death of their father. The ruler of Olympus heard the petition of the bereaved wife, and in answer to her prayer, the children of yesterday became transformed into bearded men, full of strength and courage, and thirsting for revenge. 
Hastening to Tegea, they there encountered the sons of Phegus, who were about to repair to Delphi in order to deposit the necklace and veil in the sanctuary of Apollo, and before the brothers had time to defend themselves, the stalwart sons of Calero rushed upon them and slew them. They then proceeded to Sophus, where they killed King Phegus and his wife, after which they returned to their mother with the necklace and veil, which, by the command of her father, Achilles, were deposited as sacred offerings in the temple of Apollo at Delphi. THE HERACLIDAE After the apotheosis of Heracles, his children were so cruelly persecuted by Eurystheus that they fled for protection to King Sykes at Trachine, accompanied by the aged Aeolus, the nephew and lifelong friend of their father, who constituted himself their guide and protector. But on Eurystheus demanding surrender of the fugitives, the Heraclidae, knowing that the small force at the disposal of King Sykes would be altogether inadequate to protect them against the powerful king of Argos, abandoned his territory and sought refuge at Athens, where they were hospitably received by King Demophon, the son of the great hero Theseus, he warmly espoused their cause, and determined to protect them at all costs against Eurystheus, who had dispatched a numerous force in pursuit of them. When the Athenians had made all necessary preparations to repel the invaders, an oracle announced that the sacrifice of a maiden of noble birth was necessary to ensure to them victory, whereupon Macaria, the beautiful daughter of Heracles and Deianira, magnanimously offered herself as a sacrifice and surrounded by the noblest matrons and maidens of athens voluntarily devoted herself to death while these events were transpiring in athens hylas the eldest son of heracles and deianira had advanced with a large army to the assistance of his brothers and having sent a messenger to the king announcing his arrival demophon with his army joined his forces in the thick of battle which ensued, Aeolus, following a sudden impulse, borrowed the chariot of Hylas and earnestly entreated Zeus and Hebe to restore to him, for this one day only, the vigor and strength of his youth. His prayer was heard. A thick cloud descended from heaven and enveloped the chariot, and when it disappeared, Aeolus, in the full plentitude of manly vigor, stood revealed before the astonished gaze of the combatants. He then led on his valiant band of warriors, and soon the enemy was in headlong flight, and Eurystheus, who was taken prisoner, was put to death by the command of King Demophon. After greatly acknowledging the timely aid of the Athenians, Hylas, accompanied by the faithful Aeolus and his brothers, took leave of King Demophon and proceeded to invade the Peloponnesus, which they regarded as their lawful patrimony for according to the will of zeus it should have been the rightful possession of their father the great hero heracles had not hera maliciously defeated his plans by causing his cousin eurystheus to precede him into the world for the space of twelve months the heraclidae contrived to maintain themselves in the peloponnesus but at the expiration of that time a pestilence broke out which spread over the entire peninsula and compelled the Heraclidae to evacuate the country and return to Attica, where for a time they settled. After the lapse of three years, Hylas resolved on making another effort to obtain his paternal inheritance. 
Before setting out on the expedition, however, he consulted the Oracle of Delphi, and the response was that he must wait for the third fruit before the enterprise would prove successful. Interpreting this ambiguous reply to signify the third summer, Hylas controlled his impatience for three years, when, having collected a powerful army, he once more entered the Peloponnesus. At the Isthmus of Corinth, he was opposed by Atrus, the son of Pelops, who at the death of Eurystheus had inherited the kingdom. In order to save bloodshed, Hylas offered to decide his claims by a single combat, the conditions being that if he were victorious, he and his brothers should obtain undisputed possession of their rights, but if defeated, the Heraclidae were to desist for fifty years from attempting to press their claim. The challenge was accepted by Echemon, king of Tegea, and Hylas lost his life in the encounter, whereupon the sons of Heracles, in virtue of their agreement, abandoned the Peloponnesus and retired to Marathon. Hylas was succeeded by his son Cleodeus, who, at the expiration of the appointed time, collected a large army and invaded the Peloponnesus, but he was not more successful than his father had been, and perished there with all his forces. Twenty years later his son Aristomachus consulted an oracle which promised him victory if he went by way of the defile. The Heraclidae once more set out, but were again defeated, and Aristomachus shared the fate of his father and grandfather, and fell on the field of battle. When at the expiration of thirty years, the sons of Aristomachus, Temenus, Cresphontus, and Aristodemus again consulted the oracle, the answer was still the same, but this time the following explanation accompanied the response. The third fruit signified the third generation to which they themselves belonged, and not the third fruit of the earth. And by the defile was indicated not the isthmus of Corinth, but the straits on the right of the isthmus. Temenus lost no time in collecting an army and building ships of war. But just as all was ready and the fleet about to sail, Aristodemus, the youngest of the brothers, was struck by lightning. To add to their misfortunes, Hippolytes, a descendant of Heracles who had joined in the expedition, killed the soothsayer whom he mistook for a spy, and the gods in their displeasure sent violent tempests, by means of which the entire fleet was destroyed, whilst famine and pestilence decimated the ranks of the army. The oracle, on being again consulted, advised that Hippolytes, being the offender, should be banished from the country for ten years, and that the command of the troops should be delegated to a man having three eyes. A search was at once instituted by the Heraclidae for a man answering to this description, who was found at length in the person of Oxylus, a descendant of the Aetolian race of kings. In obedience to the command of the oracle, Hippolytes was banished, an army and fleet once more equipped, and Oxylus elected commander-in-chief. And now success at length crowned the efforts of the long-suffering descendants of the great hero. They obtained possession of the Peloponnesus, which was divided among them by lot. Argos fell to Temenus, Lacedaemon to Aristodemus, and Messene to Cresphontes. In gratitude for the services of their able leader, Oxylus, the kingdom of Elis was conferred upon him by the Heraclidae. End of section 28. Recording by Anthony Wilson.